Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. As we bring out the challenge to every Christian in this country who's at work, whether that work is in an office or at home or wherever it may be, we just need to turn your workplace into a mission field because that mission field contains people that don't know Jesus, people that are hurting and without hope. They need to meet Jesus and you may be their only hope. So listeners, we are doing a video contest right now. So I, this is about you. And Not funniest on videos. No, but if there is a little element of funny in there, it would be okay. They might get extra points to win in that kind of situation. But we are having a video contest just to share one or two minute video with us about your story, your I Work For Him journey, um, how your workplace might look a little bit differently or how you view your workplace since listening to the I Work For Him radio program. So we are looking forward to hearing from you. Please post your video. Facebook has all of the details. Actually, our YouTube channel is the the original place where that is. So look us up. I work for him. And there you can find all the details. Please participate. This is our opportunity to hear your story. Don't forget the best part. We're giving away huge prizes for this. We are. $100 Visa gift card for the best videos submitted to I work for him. Yep. Again, not Funniest Home videos. This is a great video highlighting your story of how I work for him has encouraged you to I work for him. So, so get it, get involved. We want to hear from you. Facebook, I work for him. All right. So conflict, it's inevitable between coworkers. We work long hours. People can be annoying some days. We can be annoying some days. As a Christ follower in the workplace, how should we be handling conflict? What are some of the real life examples of, the, of a Jesus way to handle conflict, especially when there are hurt feelings and maybe even a damaged reputation? Tony Dale is a CEO. Tony Dale is a founder of two companies, and he's no rookie when it comes to managing organizations. I'm sure he's seen his share of conflict, although I've never heard him raise his voice. Let's hear from him today, all the way over in Austin, Texas, and he brings along with him a very special guest. I'll let him introduce Tony Dale. Welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim and Martha, thank you so much for inviting us again today. We're just super excited. Why don't you introduce who you drug along with you today? <laughs> Oh, well, I'd be glad to. Uh, I have with me uh, Felicia Battencourt, uh, and she heads up the largest department uh, within the Caris Group, uh, which is our service delivery team. Uh, and so, absolutely, it's a very special privilege to bring her along, but I'm hoping that we don't have too much conflict. Well, me too. Felicia. Jim, Jim might stir it up a That's little right. bit. That's right. Felicia, you. welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show. All right, so we want to talk about conflict in the office, and it's not that we want to generate conflict, although, you know, at, at times conflict can be fun as long as you know that you're joking around, and it's always fun until somebody gets hurt, but Tony, how have you seen conflict shape your life? You know, that's a, a very interesting question. Uh, I was thinking about it even before the show, uh, and I'm one of those extremely fortunate people who was brought up in a, a strong, secure Christian home. Um, I did watch conflict between mom and dad, uh, 
Uh, actually, interestingly enough, it was usually uh, primarily around uh, biblical and theological themes. Uh, they were both very committed Christians, and um, let's say they were on different sides of an understanding of the, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, of course, this is going way back before the charismatic movement into the early 1950s. Uh, but I watched them handle those issues, and it had an impact on my early life. Uh, it made me realize how important it is that we're solidly biblically grounded. I, I'd say that the, the next incident, if you like, of conflict actually is uh, what led to uh, the starting of these companies. Uh, and that was my internal conflict when uh, I had the injury that uh, some of your listeners will have heard me talk about mm -hmm. that led to the starting of the Keras Group. Uh, and I was so shocked by all of the medical costs. Now, of course, in between those times, there were many other minor conflicts, but not things that shaped me. Uh, but that conflict over uh, my sense that I was being charged a completely unjust price uh, had a tremendous uh, impact. I'm not sure I handled it very well, because uh, when I first called the doctor up, it was more out of annoyance than anything else. Uh, but uh, once we got to the bottom of that, uh, it led to some, some real thinking, which led to the Keras group and to the thought, we can use this as an opportunity to show other people better ways of handling the mess that the healthcare world has become economically. Right. So, Felicia, how about you? What um, have, How has conflict shaped your life? Well, conflict, I would say, it shaped my life, and, and it actually makes me think about why is there a conflict. It makes me stop and think, why am I feeling, because conflict is kind of an icky word. It's like, oh, conflict, and, and I think people usually are afraid of the conflict, um, but the way that it shaped my life, it just really makes me reflect. Um, why am I bothered by this? Why is there a clash in the conflict? Um, and more just self-reflection, and then I usually go back to, kind of go back to praying um, about the conflict, and, and why is it a conflict? Is it something in, in my in my brain, in, my, in the human side of me that's being bothered, or my monkey brain of, of wanting something that I can't have, or expecting something that's a reasonable so um, trying I kind of try to figure out the conflict about it um, but yeah it definitely has shaped me to be more humble and, and empathetic so Felicia did was there what led you to be a Jesus follower was there some conflict in your mind that said I need to be a follower of Jesus hmm. no I, I grew up um, being raised Catholic and so I really liked going to the church and the reverence of being in a Catholic church with the stained glass I thought it was pretty I liked the the ceremony and the tradition of it um, but I think once I started getting into my 20s I was invited to a non-denominational church and the music and the message just seemed to resonate with me and then I moved out to San Diego from Texas um, for a few years and I found a non-denominational church there also and was really just embraced, and I love that type of um, love that type of small group and and learning about about Jesus in that way. And any time that there was conflict at work or at home or in life, just learning how to pray with others and learning how to lean on Him through that conflict. So, how did you deal with the conflict, though? Having been brought up Catholic and, and realizing that Jesus wanted a, a personal relationship with you, did that cause conflict in your family? And how did you resolve that? 
find any conflict with my family feeling that I was you know, moving away from the Catholic religion. There was never any conflict with that. Um, my family tends to be a little, um, they're on the like, quieter side. They, they usually keep to themselves. They're not really in my face about my religion. I think for them, they feel like if it's um, me being closer to God, then they completely support that. And, and even growing up, I think they, um, there wasn't a lot of conflict at home. They were more quiet about it. So I didn't see any outward conflict. It was more of just observing an undercurrent of maybe um, some quietness around the home. But um, but now I have a four-year-old, and so you know how uh, four-year-olds bring conflict <laughs> on the no, daily. My, our and, kids uh, were perfect. We never had problems at our house. <laughs> yeah, so Felicia, TV, uh, resilience and conflict resolution and uh, high-stakes negotiations. Oh. So in the next minute, I'd like to just address real quickly then, Felicia, if you grew up in a home that really was quiet and didn't have a lot of necessarily outward conflict, how have you been able to handle conflict like in the workplace when you've had to address it or you've been confronted with it in some way? Yeah, I usually self-reflect about what is it about the situation that is causing the stir in me. It creates a little bit of, um, like, I'll get red or I'll just inside feel a little flush about it. And then, actually, I usually journal about it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll journal, about it at, journal about it at home um, at night or in the morning. Um, I'll even look for a, a Bible plan that I can read that someone has put together on the Bible app that someone else has obviously gone through this, so I'm not alone. Um, and then, of course, here at Karis, we have um, some great guidance with Tony and our leadership here to, to lean on um, as far as conflict and how to handle that. As we're talking with Tony Dale and Felicia Betancourt as a, a, about conflict in the workplace and, and just how do we handle it as Jesus Jesus followers, we're supposed to be the ones bringing healing and resolution and unity into the into the workplace. Everything, everybody around us should be benefiting from our depth of our faith, especially when there's conflict, because there's people involved. So we were talking about Felicia right before the break. So Felicia, you were mentioning that in your personal life, you, you self-reflect when there's conflict. You know that you're feeling it inside, and so you figure out you need to do something with it. You might journal or look up a Bible plan, which I think is a great idea to, to really get some insight on it. Um, but within the organization, um, how, how is there like a, a conflict resolution policy that helps to guide you in your work? Or how are you, um, you, you mentioned that the leadership there um, through Tony Dale is really helpful in that area. Tell us about that. Yeah, so being that we are faith-based here at the CARES Group, um, we have adopted more of the Beaten Bow or Kingdom at Work leadership here. So I know at any time that this is a love-based culture and that any of all of our values here of generosity and humility, integrity, joy, and grace, that those are operationalized here and so that those mean something to our leadership team. So at any time I feel conflict with any of those values or anything else, I know that um, I'm at a safe place where I can go to Tony or anyone here in the leadership um, about any of that conflict and have an open do- a true open-door mm. policy. Well, uh, let's go back to, to you, Tony Dale. You know, you, you are British by descent. You, you spent the early formative years of your life overseas and on the Asian continents, and then you came back to the UK, and then you ended up in Texas. Okay, so 
you've seen conflict handled in some different ways. Do they handle conflict different in the UK than they do here in the States? Uh, well, I guess it depends whether I'm giving you a serious answer or not. <laughs> uh, meaning, what, what, what comes to mind is that uh, the, one of the early quotes that I remember from American history uh, was that the revolutionary troops were taught not to shoot until they see the whites of their eyes, meaning the whites of the British eyes. Mm-hmm. So I think that was extremely unfriendly. Um, <laughs> I'm being British myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, of course, I'm joking here. Now, now, now that I'm English and American, I, I guess I, I live with that uh, delightful internal conflict. <laughs> um, do they handle things differently? I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. Um, so my parents uh, were British missionaries in Taiwan, where the vast majority of the other missionaries were American. Uh, and I did notice very, very different cultures in terms of how you would handle issues like this. So for the Chinese in Taiwan, uh, an argument would often imply a loss of faith, uh, a loss of uh, almost self-esteem. And there things would be hidden in a different way from how the British would hide it, which would be the classic British stiff upper lip. I'm not going to admit that anything hurt me or that someone annoyed me in stark contrast to how the Americans would handle it, which would probably be to get straight in your face and to tell you what was wrong. Uh, Now, I'm not saying any of those are right. Uh, I'm saying they're all different. They all represent very different cultures. Uh, And in that sense, we really have to look at what Scripture teaches. Uh, And I I think uh, it's really clear in God's Word that uh, conflict is somewhat inevitable, The question is, what do we do with it? So, for example, we see Paul and Barnabas having conflict over John Mark. Uh, And as far as we can see, they didn't handle it particularly well. Uh, I love the fact that Scripture includes that in in the story. Uh, And really, for me, you know, if one wasn't sort of going to dig deeply into all sorts of Scriptures, I, uh, I think the title of a book from back in the 80s is what I found most helpful. Uh, And that book was called Caring Enough to Confront. Mm. Uh, The Word of God basically teaches us that we we don't hide these things, but in a loving way, we find a way to bring it to the surface. And I would understand that in that phrase, caring enough to confront. Of course, having a conflict with you on um, one side with your great accent, I think you always make things sound much more delightful. <laughs> so, yeah, you could be telling me to bonus. jump over a bridge and like, yeah, but at least that sounded cool. That's right. <laughs> so, so Tony, have you, I mean, you've got, how many people now working within both Sedera Health and the Caris Group? How many total people now? I guess about 100 between the two companies. All right, so is it fair to say that there's conflict every once in a while because you've got 100 people? Uh, no, that's probably not true. It's more than every once in a while. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, fine. All right. So when you've got conflict, have you, I mean, did you like send out a memo going, this is how I want you to handle conflict, this is the way it's done every time, or or, or did you let your two uh, presidents take care of, uh, did you let, uh, I mean, do the companies handle it differently, or did you say, nope, here's, what's, here's what needs to happen if there's conflict? Okay, you know, I, I think Felicia actually gave okay. a really good answer. Go ahead, she Felicia. Went back to our core values. 
and we've taught our core values consistently. And then we just watch to see how people bring those out. So you may want to add a comment there, Felicia. Yeah, I mean, everything that we do here on the day, like any task that I'm asking our teams to do, it's related to our core values. So being here on time, that's part of integrity. Um, helping out with someone else on your team, that's being generous with your time. So all of our values are operationalized. And so when we do see conflict, as Tony mentioned, um, we care enough to confront, and we use the beaten bow or kingdom at work method of the one-degree correction. So if we want someone to be alongside of us, anytime we see them going astray, then we just have that that kind that one degree correction of saying, hey, we noticed this, and then we always want to be mindful about intention. So I'm very deliberate, and I want our team and our managers and everyone involved to be deliberate in any of the decisions that we make or things that we're, we ask them to do, um, and being you know mindful, deliberate, and even just praying for one another when there is conflict and and confronting more on the basis of wanting to know their intention and being on the same page. Mm. So let's get personal. Every once in a while, Felicia, you know our flesh probably comes out in our workplace and you might actually be the cause of some conflict. Have you ever experienced that? And, and like, how did you realize it? And then what did you do about it? Give us kind of a, a bird's eye view of that. Yeah. When I, if, when I realize that, or if someone has to tell me, um, the flesh part of me just gasps. I'm appalled that, that I am the root of any conflict. Um, but I, of course, have been in close relationship with people, and so that tends to come out at times or has happened. Um, I'm usually, I first usually start out with an apology, and I'll ask for forgiveness, and I'll ask for prayer, even um, if the person isn't able or willing at the time. I think I usually ask forgiveness for myself, because um, knowing that I have somehow been the root of a conflict is something that it probably takes harder, it's harder for me to forgive myself than for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just takes me back to, to steadfast prayer, and it probably is something that would keep me up at night if I knew that I was probably in the middle of a conflict or I was the cause of a conflict. Um, but always, for me, I think being intentional is the, is the part that keeps me um, at peace of the decisions that I've made or interactions that I have is that I make my intentions clear. Felicia, have you ever worked anywhere else other than at the Karis Group? Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> okay. So uh, was conflict handled differently at one of your previous employers? Yeah, I was thinking about that before um, the show, and I actually did work at a company, and I felt like it was very much fear-based. It was um, very much we didn't know when our schedules were. There was a lot of conflict um, and so I, I did share my feelings about it. I didn't feel like they were heard. Um, and with that, I thought, well, I could um, maybe I can go to school and get my master's degree so that I could lead my own team the way that I would want to maybe do things differently. So do you get to I do did that, that today. About- yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. So I did that about 10 or 15 years ago, and then now I have the opportunity. And then, of course, working with the carers group, I'm able to, to bring in my faith with that and actually pray over the individuals that I work with and, and think about what's God's mission because 
to me, they are God's children. And I think about if my son was working here, you know, would I want him to work here? Am I creating an environment that I think that he would be, um, how he would be able to prosper? And so being able to, to carry that out and be a steward of, of the people that mm-hmm. we have here. Tony, it's important for the life of a company. If conflict is ignored, it can destroy a company. Have you ever seen that? You got 30 seconds to comment. Have you ever seen conflict absolutely destroy or unrealized conflict, undealt with conflict, destroy a company? Uh, I haven't seen it destroy a company, but I've seen it come darn close. Uh, In one of my medical practices, one of our partners had a a secret uh, drug addict. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, He was a secret drug addict, and it's a a challenge in the medical world. Uh, And thankfully, it it came to light, and we were able to deal with it. Without it, it probably would have destroyed the partnership. Sure. Mm. Another show from Austin, Texas, featuring Tony Dale and some of his friends over there. We just want everybody to know that God is moving in incredible ways in the marketplace all over the country. And Austin, Texas is one of those places Martha and I have had the privilege of visiting a lot in the last several years. And Tony Dale and his team at at Sidera Health and the Karis Group are making a huge difference over there. And before we get back to Tony, though, Martha, why don't you tell everybody again about our video contest with a huge grand prize? (laughs) That's exactly right, listeners. So if you would like the opportunity to maybe win a Visa gift card, um, the grand prize is a $100 gift card. And then there's a couple others below that. But we just want to invite you to share your story. Let us know what your life looks like at work since the... Um, you've started listening to I Work For Him. So this is your opportunity. You can find all the information. Podcast listeners or radio listeners. Of everybody, course, right? Of course, anybody that's a listener. That's or, right. Or, and they could have been a guest. They could, you know, whatever their connection is to I Work For Him. Um, we want to hear your story. So go to our Facebook page, I Work For Him, and there are all the details. That's right. A $100 grand prize. Fantastic. You cannot enter, Jim. That's good. I'm- I'm not going to do a, I'm not going to do a video. All right, but speaking of doing videos, Tony Dale is back from Austin, Texas from the from Sedera Health and the Caris Group. Tony, why don't you just remind our audience what Sedera Health is all about? Jim, glad to do that and thank you so much for letting me have this opportunity. Uh, most of your audience will be familiar with the Christian Healthcare Sharing Ministries, groups that we love and that uh, over the years we've served through the Caris Group. Uh, and when the Affordable Care Act came in, uh, I realized that uh, the act had limited the ministries to only working with Christians. And I wanted to find a way to bring this really uh, Christ-centered approach uh, to serve everybody, because I think God so loves the world, not just the church, that when we have something good, we want to take it to the world. And mm-hmm. that's really what Sadira is. We've taken uh, the medical cost-sharing approach Uh, and made it available to everybody, uh, particularly within the group environment where we primarily work with companies and large groups of people. That was the greatest 40-second soundbite ever on Sedera Health. So if you're part of an organization, if you've got a small group, SederaHealth.com, SederaHealth.com, excuse me, Sedera.com, S-E-D-E-R-A.com, Sedera.com. That's fantastic. Tony, you brought on an old friend for the second half of today's show. Why don't you reintroduce our friend? 
Well, I may get in trouble if I call him an old friend. He's only a, a few months older than I am, uh, but he certainly has been a friend for a very long time. Uh, Mike Martin, actually, until uh, the end of December of last year, was the CEO at the Keras Group. Uh, and what a privilege it has been for me working with Mike, learning from Mike, uh, enjoying his friendship. And so uh, having him back uh, on uh, this interview time with you, uh, Jim and Martha, is fantastic. And, and your team uh, listening are going to love uh, what Mike brings to the conversation. Well, thank you, Tony Dale. And enjoy that meeting you're running off to. And thanks again for being a huge supporter of iWork for him. Thank you so much. Mike Bye. Martin, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hi, Jim. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, it's been it's a lot good of months. to hear my friend Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, well, it, yeah, what, it is great. Did you – let's just – last time we talked to you, you had just retired, and you were, you're like, I'm not really sure what God's got next. And so today – the whole conversation really wanted to take it in a different place because you've had some time to really contemplate, okay, what's next? I quote unquote retired from the Keras group, but I knew I wasn't done. I mean, I know that that's what you're saying. So it's kind of, I appreciate you letting us walk down this road with you mm-hmm. as, as Martha and I have this conversation. So you retired from the Keras group nine months ago. How have you seen God move in your life since you stopped being, invo- being involved in the daily grind and the Austin, Texas traffic? Well, you know, Jim, I, I think the most interesting thing uh, thing that I've seen the Lord do is allow me to rest. Um, after a 55-year work-life uh, career uh, coming to an end, uh, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but the Lord just clearly spoke rest. And so for the first really seven or eight months, getting through July, of this year, um, that's what he had me doing. And I no thought about where I was going or what next, and, and really no worry. We've, My wife and I, Mary Beth and I, have trusted the Lord all these years with our lives, 27 years we've been serving him. We weren't going to change uh, now. But it was, it, it was rest, and we had this confirmed through several uh, intercessory prayer groups that were telling us, this is what the Lord would speak to you. But at the end of July, coming or in July sometime, I really felt that shifting that, you know, the Lord's got, he does have something more, which was part of the word that uh, was for us, and he would have us doing something again. And so right now we're moving in that direction. Uh, one of the things, uh, we went to a, a Women of Prayer conference. Uh, my wife is very involved in Women of Prayer. And uh, we went to a conference of theirs in the spring. And uh, these are all women who love to pray and, and seek the Lord. And I uh, went there. They had asked me to come give my testimony. And uh, at the conference, I just really felt like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Look at all these women. You see lots of women of prayer. Uh, where are the men of prayer? And that really convicted me. I'm not just speaking to anybody else, but I'm thinking to myself, wow. I never really thought about that because, you know, I had this image of these prayer warrior women, uh, you know, the war room type uh, ladies on their knees, always seeking for their families, always praying. 
where were the men in this? And so I felt like the Lord was impressing upon me, um, I want you to become a man of prayer. So I, I have been during this time uh, reading more about it and talking to people who have strong prayer lives, uh, trying to learn more and then just seeking the Lord more. And so it's been rich. Uh, so I'm not sure how he's the Lord's planning to use that, but I know he will. Mm-hmm. So we're right now I've, uh, I'm doing some consulting work with some small businesses in uh, Austin, uh, helping their chief executive officers operate a kingdom business. Uh, how uh, they, these are men and women who love the Lord, right. uh, and they want their businesses to glorify God, but perhaps haven't uh, seen how it all connects. So I'm... So God's been using you. Yeah. So God's been using you in that way. Um, Even though you're in that state of rest and now God's kind of stirring up in you. I think for a lot of people, you know, we just, when you've been working every day, you probably couldn't even imagine what it looked like for you to rest until you started doing it. So let's talk a little bit about that. How were you prepared for this season when you, when you knew you were going to hang up, uh, you know, or put out the, the retirement, you know, uh, yeah. I don't even know the right way to call it because, you know, we know you're retiring financially, but it, we, you knew that God was going to have something for you. But for this stage of life, how were you prepared for that? Sure. Well, down here in Texas, we say, hang up our spurs. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but do you, right, you wasn't wearing spurs. Do you ride horses? Uh, I have. I, I, I'm 70 years old. I'm not getting on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't wearing time spurs. I, fall off, I don't. I don't bounce like I used to. Yeah, that's for sure. So, so me, when you were figuratively hanging up your spurs from the Caris yeah. Group, how did you find yourself prepared for that? Well, I would say there are two aspects of it. One was. How do I finish well at Karis and finish well for the owner? I, I was CEO, but Tony uh, is the owner of the company. So how do I finish well for him and prepare that? Uh, and then the, uh, the second part would be how do I prepare myself uh, for retirement and significant transition? Uh, I would say in the first part, uh, really in probably a year before I retired, I began to really think about this. I, I could tell it was it, it was natural. It was getting to be time, and I began to talk to Tony first of all and share these thoughts with him that I just felt like it was the time was coming. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, began a search for my replacement. Uh, and worked very hard that prayed about it, interviewed a lot of people. There was a lot, there was an awful lot of talent here in Austin. And then we decided to do something I think is a little different. Um, we decided to bring the new person on three months before I actually retired. And so we did a three month transition side by side. My, my sole goal was to prepare the person to take over the company and there was no issue of pride in it and i told him that you know if you want to do things differently that's why you're being hired that's why you're coming in and let me just give you everything that i have and i pray that the lord will enable you to take it and do so much better than i did so 
those months of transition were very important. Uh, you know, from all the finances of the company to the services we delivered, employees, all these things, we just made lots of lists and worked on them and were able to daily help each other, plus the ability uh, to take my successor to our clients and introduce. A lot in my past, I've walked in as the new CEO. The old person's gone, and somebody hands me the keys to the company and says, "Let's go." And it's uh, it's a real uphill battle. But I think we eliminated that and allowed for January the first of 2019 for my successor to come in and hit the ground running that day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the the company piece. I think it's really important. Uh, all too often, I think companies wait till too late and they aren't prepared for succession and don't work it out well. Now the piece <laughs> about me, I'm I have to I'm going to confess right here in front of everyone. I did not expect the transition to be quite what it was. I mean. So hang on there, hang on there, just hang on, hang on there. So when when we come back, I want you to talk about that personal transition and the struggles that you went through and wherever you were going to go with the conversation, but we got to head to a break. You're listening to I Work For Him as we talk with Mike Martin about retirement. Nine months ago, he was heading into this no man's land, not knowing what it was really like. And he was just about ready to tell us how he was prepared. So, Mike, you did an amazing thing and how you prepared your the owner of the company. Hey, a year from now, I think I'm going to retire. And then you pre- you prepared your successor by spending three months side by side, which some companies will make that investment. Some companies won't. But how were you prepared personally for retirement for for, you know, you went home probably Christmas break and you never came back. And then January 1st, you were all of a sudden officially retired, collected probably Social Security. And all of a sudden life looks different. How how were you prepared for the radical difference? Well, I to be honest, I wasn't. Um, I underestimated the uh, the significance of the transition. Um, the I mean, January one of twenty nineteen, uh, I didn't have a hundred emails in my inbox. Uh, I didn't have an agenda, a calendar full every day. I didn't have phone calls, client calls, meetings at work. It just abruptly came to a halt and. I thought that would, you know, I, that would be fine. Everything will be okay. Well, it wasn't. It took about, uh, oh, a good three, four months for me to understand. And I was crying out to the Lord, you know, what, what's happening? Because I just felt really out of place and unsettled. And that's when the Lord kept telling me, rest. Quit trying to do rest. And so eventually I came through it. So I would say that I didn't prepare well, and I would encourage anyone else who's trying to go through this to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what what are, what are you going to do? How am I going to handle that transition from extremely busy one day to not necessarily busy the next day? And that is a for someone who's I think for any CEO anybody who's run a company the busyness of doing that and then suddenly it abruptly ends 
I think it warrants some thought uh, and actually in reading, getting some books of people who have been through it. I right. subsequently bought some books trying to <laughs> read up on it, but I should have read them last year. Uh, you know, to, you, to made a great, you made a great point because you were helping the company prepare right. so well, but yet you didn't think about your own personal um, transition and what that might look like. So did you find any great resource out there that you'd like to share with our listeners that might be getting ready or have someone in their life that's getting ready for this um, stage of retirement that, that you found helpful that you would want them to know about? Um, yes, I, I, I did read. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, Martha. Uh, yes, uh, I did. I found a, a book called Creating a Successful Retirement, Finding Peace and Purpose mm. uh, in Life. And so that helped. But, you know, the Bible, I, my source is the Bible, so I would go. I don't see retirement really in there. Mm-hmm. But I do see things transitioning in the, the men and women's lives and the the Bible. So that was helpful to, helpful to me to bring some peace and confidence and reassurance. But there's a yeah. wealth of books out there that can help someone in this transition. I just I was so focused on helping the Caris group right. make a successful transition after all the years I'd been in the leadership role. I really didn't think about myself. Oh, this is no big deal. And yet yet you have felt, yeah, it was a very big deal. And you bring up a really great point. And actually, our listeners are probably surprised we haven't talked about this more, Jim, on the perspective of retirement, because you are right, unless you're a Levitical priest, this whole idea of retirement, like we look at it, is not what's in Scripture. But what I understand in your life, Mike Martin, is that it's really a financial retirement. It's I've completed this career responsibility at the Karis Group. And we know in your heart, you are like, I know there will be something that God will have me be doing. You're not going to be sitting eating bonbons every day the rest of your life. Although, you know, you can still eat a bonbon. But there's but I'm curious about this, because as you're still waiting for the Lord to show you what that direction is going to be. I am guessing that he has still had opportunities to use you in ways in your retirement that he would not have been able to do if you were still full-time at the Karis Group. Do you have any examples or anything that you can see God has done? Well, yes. It has given me much more time to minister personally to... We we have a home church, uh, so to minister to the people in my home church and other Christian friends and brothers and sisters uh, to get involved and in more in the community that we are serving. Uh, I serve on a, a Christian uh, a board of a Christian children's foster to adoption program uh, and for severely abused and neglected children here in our area. And and so I, it is. It has given me more time to really get invested more in people individually. Before I was really running the company, and then the Lord had all these people that worked there at Caris. Well, that was my responsibility. Right. But now uh, I'm actually um, mentoring two young. We call them emergent leaders in our community. It's a Christian program. So there's lots going on that the Lord's using me to do. It's not like I'm just sitting here wondering what to do. But part of me is thinking that there is some 
fuller, like a part-time job or something. But that may be my misunderstanding of what the Lord's leading me to. Hmm. The fullness of ministering to lots of different people in different venues may be what the Lord has in mind. So I'm, so what, I'm watching and listening. Let me throw a curveball to you. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but let's just let's just say that Mary Beth was here, and we say, "Okay, Mary Beth, were you prepared for Mike Martin to retire?" What would she say? I would say she thought she was ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> she she really was looking forward to it because. You know, running a company, that's a lot of hours. And so right. her, her desire was, well, finally, after having a workaholic husband, essentially, all these years, uh, I'd like some time with him. And really, the retirement discussion was, I'd like to retire with you, Mary Beth, if we are able to, before we have any health issues that would preclude us from doing some of the things that we want to do. And so she was really looking forward to that. Mm. I don't think she was ready for me not being ready. And so that spilled over into our relationship, not in a bad way, but just she could tell I was feeling awkward and uneasy. And we're just starting to find our equilibrium, if you will, where we're pretty comfortable right now where things are going and our daily pace and those things. But for the first four to six months, it was a, a, a challenge. I'm home every day. She has, uh, She's a professional artist, so she has lots of things, she projects she's working on. Suddenly there's another person there that she wanted there, but then it takes from her project, so we're um, settling in together. I think that's a, probably for a lot of uh, executives who retire. Right. That is a big thing. Uh, I'm not a golfer, so I'm not leaving every other day to play <laughs> golf. It uh, is a big challenge. So, so let's, let's get really practical on this. What advice can you give to our listeners right now um, who might be preparing or thinking about retirement from their current job and getting ready to step into that next phase? What advice would you give them? Well, I think uh, going, I would go back and say uh, July a year ago when I began to, we we began to really seriously uh, wrap up the search for a replacement and start Mm -hmm. talking about transition at work. That same conversation should have been going on here at home. Uh Uh, Mary Beth and I should have been sitting down talking about what does it look like in retirement? What do we want to do? Uh, are there any goals that we have? That are it, Maybe we haven't been able to do things together, but now we can go do ministry together or, or, or whatever and really talk through that. How are we going to spend our days? Mm-hmm. And uh, those sorts of conversations would have helped a lot. I think, to prepare for when January came and suddenly I'm at home all the time. Well, we had already thought about that, maybe even uh, set up our our mutual Bible study together in the time and uh, in the the morning and walks and those sorts of things. Uh, You got 20 20 seconds. You got 20 seconds left, Mike. What other things really quick should people do to get prepared to retire? 
What was the question? <laughs> Listen, you got <laughs> now you got ten seconds left. Okay, forget it. I won't even bother. Uh, we're, we're out. We're, no, it's okay. We're out. Of, we're out of time. But I appreciate the transparency and the authenticity because this retirement question, yeah. figuring out what's next in phase in life, and, and seeking the Lord in all of this. It's not like you guys weren't praying about it. You were spending a lot of time praying about it. Mike Martin, I appreciate you sharing a little of your story. I can't wait to capture the rest of it when God shows you what's next. But Mike Martin, Amen. thanks for coming back on I Work for Him today. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim and Martha, my pleasure, and God bless y'all on your show. All right. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit IWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at IWorkForHim and online iWorkForHim.com. I work the number four, him.com.